and I am going to admit this on tape and on video and on Facebook because they might shut me. They might shut me down for this one. You're like, what? When I was growing up, I thought I was like really, really rebellious, and I was very, very conservative about the Bible. Like I am still, but. Everybody thought that I was crazy, and now people think I'm crazy because I'm deeper into the Word. (laughs) And when you see the Word and get deeper in Jesus, you kind of start thinking, wow, this is jumping out at me more than it did before. It's awesome on the times that God has in your life. You know, when I was single and when I was doing my stupid stuff, Proverbs helped me a lot. And then when I was in college, Psalms helped me a lot. And then when I was still single but trying to find a wife, and the first one kind of, yeah, she was was really bad. Uh, Two years into it, and we were engaged, and she was with another person. Anyway, um, I found, Katie was found, because the first time she saw me, uh, she hated me. And uh, it's a whole story. We'll have to tell you that sometime. Go out to dinner with us. But then Ecclesiastes was my book that I really, because I was like really depressed and all kinds of stuff. And then, um, you know, uh, we had children. Well, actually, we had five years, and um, and then we had our children. And uh, and then most of the father scriptures, like God is our Father, has just like opened my eyes to those things. And then when they became teenagers, I just took the whole Bible, because <laughs> when they're teenagers, you have no clue what to do. And I admit that, and Katie admits that, we are humble. We, we don't actually know what we're doing, Andrew and Isla. I'm sorry. Uh, please forgive us. Um, and usually it's the mom's fault, and everybody has to go to therapy because of Katie, but that's okay. Not the dad. And then I get to this point in my life, and I start just... There's nothing more precious than the Bible. Jesus wrote the Bible through flawed men with the Holy Spirit. And it is amazing that you just, once you start, I mean, it's almost like you can't stop. Scripture just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And you, you look at Song of Songs and you're, you're going to think, you are crazy, Frankie. That's okay. Song of Songs, nobody could read it until they were 13 years or older. Now, you'll you'll wonder why here in a little bit. It has some very descriptive language of married people. Just that's all I'm going to tell you. So if you're really, really curious, go home and read Song of Songs. There's a lot of good pickup lines in there. And it's between a husband and his wife... And friends that are encouraging them in the process. And all these songs that are in Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, whatever your Bible translates it as, these were sayings and songs that were performed at a wedding. And it's beautiful. Now, on the surface, it looks like a husband and wife and friends. But if you go deeper into Song of Songs, there is something more into that than we can imagine. So, let's start off with the odd topic. The one that might get me kicked off of Facebook. Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 33. 
The whole Bible has the premise of man and woman. Period. Jesus is our groom and the church is the bride. Everything in scripture points to a husband and a wife, nothing else. And I don't care what society says. So when we read the Bible, God assumes that we know that the Bible says it's husband and wife. It is man and woman. And of course, children down there somewhere. And so when we read these scriptures, I want to tell you that God defines these words, not me. So if you have a problem, you go to God. He's big enough. He has big, broad shoulders. You seek the truth and you will find it. But you got to, got to seek it. You can't just sit there and go, my pride is not going to do that. And not seek the truth. Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 33 says this. Now before this, it, it talks about women. And we always repeat those verses and it just, it, you know, bash it into women. But I'm talking to husbands. I'm talking men. I'm talking men who want to be a husband. You ready for this? Husband, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, we could just stop there and go home. Whatever Jesus has done for the church, men stand up in your life. You are supposed to treat your woman, your wife, your lovely, to make herself glorious and beautiful and wonderful and stop being a man with no spine. It says here, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You know we're talking about spiritual stuff, right? Not like we all get wrinkles. I don't think you can get those away. Sorry. But we're talking about the spiritual life of your wife. You are supposed to be the leader. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. What? He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and cared for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his what? Father and mother. There's the assumption. And be united to who? His wife. Now, this word united here, I love the Bible, explains itself. You don't have to guesswork. There's no guessworking here. The two will become one flesh. That means you are like inseparable in God's eyes. You are one person. My body is my wife's and my wife's body is mine. We are one. And then he goes on like this. See, I told you the Bible gets deeper. He says this. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Wait a minute. What? 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 Jesus is the head of the church. He is the groom. And we are the bride. The bride is the church. And the church are the people. Not a building. However, each one of you also. So all this really includes the same thing for guys. Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. Now, all that has to happen. Ready? And then he says, and wife must respect her husband. 
A lot of times we'll go, oh no, the wife needs to do everything, and everything is the wife. No. It says both of you are in a team. You are together in one flesh. And why does it say respect the husband instead of love? Anybody realize that? Why they, Paul used the word respect instead of love? Because when men feel respected, they feel loved. That's just the way we're built. God designed us differently. And it says in other verses that husband should love his wife. Now, love is a good thing, and we respect the woman because we love them. Because if we really respect the woman and love her, then we're going to do the same thing that Jesus did to the church. And so all that to say, let's jump into Song of Songs. And you're like, oh my goodness, that was just heavy as it was. Now we're going into this. Yep, here we go. So to read the Song of Songs is a little embarrassing out loud, so I'm not going to read that much of Song of Songs. You have to go home and and read it. Read it to your wife, your spouse, your girlfriend, or read it to yourself and say, hey, these are good things. But here we go. Love, agape, and Philadelphia. Now, we know that word, Philadelphia. What does that mean? Brotherly love. There you go. You already know a Greek word. Okay? And then agape is what? Godly love, unconditional love. Okay, so when we read this scripture, we're going to go a little bit deeper and we're going to go for each word here so we actually know the meaning. The awesome thing about Greek is that was one word, one definition. Not English, where we have one word and it's like eight definitions and you look up Urban Dictionary and it's another definition. You're like, oh, I said that? Oh my goodness, it means that. Anyway, here we go. Romans chapter 12, 9 through 10. Love... Now we read this, love must be sincere. Oh yeah, love, we know what that is. This is agape, this is unconditional love. This is whatever somebody's doing, even your enemy, if they slap you on the right cheek, you, slap, you, you ask for their other cheek to get slapped, you know? Love must be sincere. Hate, this is the apostigale, this is abhor, this is like, ew, like when you have that sticky stuff on you, uh, when you get, uh, I had a, what do you call it, ultrasound, and it just gets sticky, ugh. Just abhor that stuff. Even though it's warm now and it's not cold, but they had to put it on me. I abhor it. I like cringe and laugh. And she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm ticklish. Anyway. I mean, literally abhor. I mean, not even be around it. What is evil? Evil means here is disease or blind spiritually. We're not talking about the disease and blind physically. Disease, blind, wicked, or evil. And who defines evil? Oh, come on, people. Who defines evil? God, thank you. Okay? God defines evil. And we don't want to be around that at all. Because if we're around it, then, you know, bad apples corrupt the good ones. Now, we do want to be around the worldly people because we want to be an influence. We want to be with, you know, God says we need to be in the world but not of the world. We should be looking like the world, but we should be with them, friend them, love them. But we shouldn't be doing any of the evil that they're doing. The church should look totally different than the world. And then it says, cling to what is good, like excellent, distinguished, upright, honorable, according to the stable standard of Jesus Christ himself. So if we know that God defines evil, then who defines good? God. Okay, come on. Be devoted. This is a mutual love of parents and children and wives and husbands. So this is the word Philadelphia. To one another in Philadelphia. Brotherly or sisterly love. 
honor or put rank above one another above yourself. So when I'm married, when I have this love for my enemy, he's saying, put your enemy above you. Take out the pride. Humble yourself to serve. And so when we look at love in the Bible, we're either looking at Philadelphia, brotherly love, Stiego, which is like, I like, I love tea. I love tea. Okay. Stiego is a thing love or agape. And so we actually really need to go back to the original language and say, oh. But if we read that today, love must be sincere. We can think of all kinds of definitions of love. And so we need to agape one another sincerely. Not like fake, like, oh, yeah, I'm just calling you because, you know, that's what i got to do for, for being a Christian. Oh, i got to come serve you. Oh, i got to do that. Like a checklist. No, we have to sincerely, like all of our beings should be loving people. So, we know what love is. Now we need to define marriage. Uh-oh. Told you, it's God. God does this, not me. I don't want to go against God. I'd rather go against hundreds and millions of people that they think they're right than go against God. Because God has my soul in his hands. You don't. Genesis chapter 2, 20 through 24. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and the wild animals. I wonder what language he spoke. Anyway, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Why? Because they were all animals. Okay? So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he did surgery. Isn't that cool? God was like the first surgeon. Hey, I'm going to cut this open here. And he took one of man's ribs and then closed it up and placed with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman for, from the rib he had taken out of man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone. Then he say, when we get married, we are what? One flesh. Flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For she was taken of man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Hmm. Guys, we are mammals, but we are not animals. We have a soul to save. I know that's unpopular too. I love my pet. Well, one pet. The other one. Okay, I, I like the other one. But I would not put them in front of my wife. I would not put them in front of my kids. I would not put them in front of God. Because they are an animal. And so we have choice. We have a soul. And we're different. That's why God didn't say, Adam, pick, a, pick an animal, any animal. They'll be, they'll be your helper. What did he say? No, I'm going to have bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. It's going to be a helper. Now, this word helper here, this is not a weak word. We always say, ah, oh, the woman is the helper. No. This is the underpinning of spiritual leadership. I'm telling you, my wife really underpins every leadership thing that I do because she prays for me and she's humble and she's wonderful and she has wisdom beyond her years. I, w- I couldn't do a lot of this stuff without Jesus and my wife. Now, they're not on the same plane. Katie's down here. Jesus is here. Sorry. So, we know what love is. We know what marriage is. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. 
Now, for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. And you're like, what? There is a gift of singleness, okay? It's really cool because if you have a gift of singleness, you can devote 100% to who? God. But, see, I love that, see, the Bible explains itself. But since sexual immorality is occurring, this means you're actually having sex with a woman and a man, then he's telling you each man should have sexual relations with his own wife. Get married. Why? Because that's a commitment for life. It's not something that you just go around saying, huh, yeah, hey, over here and over here. And every time you do, you're marrying the other person. You've got like 15 people that you're just married to. Each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. We all know what that is, right? We're all adults here, right? Okay? You should know that. I'm not going to say that. And likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her what? In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his body, but yields it to his wife. You can say it. It's okay. That camera's not pointing at you guys. There you go. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time. That means we actually pray together and we say, hey, not, not right now. It's okay. Maybe I'm sick. Maybe I've got this happening. Maybe I've got half that. But we actually communicate that we're not going to do this. So that may you may devote yourself to what? Prayer. It's right there, people. You want to have a good marriage? Right there. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. How do we have self-control over our desires? We get a wife. We get a husband. And we become one flesh. And we take it seriously. Not this divorce culture. Or just let's sleep around. It is a reality to have oneness with the person you're having relations with. That's why God says, if you're having like 15 of them, you've got 15 people you're married to. You've just committed adultery with all of them. Oh, I'm getting kicked off Facebook for sure. I didn't say, guys, God is the author and definition of love and marriage and husband and wife and man and woman. So, he's talking about the marriage bed. Hebrews 13.4 says this, marriage should be honored by how many? All. And the marriage bed kept what? Ha. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexual immoral. The only thing that should be in that bed is you and your spouse. That's it. Nothing else. That's what the Bible says. And we should honor that. We should say, look, the bed is purity in Jesus' eyes. Not with other people, not with other things, not with other animals. It's supposed to be between you and your spouse. That's it. And if we go anything outside of that confines, it's sexual immorality. Period. God loves us. And so he's saying this because you're, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get uh, spiritually and mentally and physically and emotionally hurt. And yet we say, oh, that's okay. You, you don't know what you're talking about, God. We want to do this because we know better. We're never going to get hurt. And then we get hurt, and then we, when we blame God for it. Then we're like, oh, that's bad. We can't talk about that in church. Yes, we can. It's the most beautiful thing in the world if we do it right. 
with God's honor. It's not something to be gross or not talk about it at church. Sex is good when it's with husband and wife. There it is. It is holy. It is righteous in God's sight if it's done right. And so we know what all that is. We are going to get to Song of Songs. You're like, what are you doing, Frankie? Since we have all that in our mind, then we're going to get to the bride of Christ and the husband, who is Jesus. John 3, 27 through 30. We're supposed to honor the marriage bed. If we're supposed to honor each other, if we're supposed to respect each other, if we have the definition of marriage, we have the definition of love, then we actually know what God's talking about here. Ready? John 3, 27 through 30. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah. And John's saying, I am not God. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not God. But am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. Who's the bride? The church. Who's the bridegroom? Jesus. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and now is complete. He must become greater and I must become less. But what does the world teach? I must become greater and God doesn't care. Yes, he does. If we put him in the center and us less, yes, you have to give up your desires. Yes, you have to actually change your life to come to God. All are welcome, but the Holy Spirit changes. You can't stay the same when you come to Jesus. Because he is our husband, and he is our authority, and he is the one who is the head of the church. And so if he's the head of the church, I'm going to obey my husband. Now this is that spiritually, don't get anything mixed up with that. Spiritually, he is my head, and I am married to him for life until death do us part. Actually, death do us come together, (laughs) because when I die, I'm hugging my husband, God. He is awesome and powerful, and he defines things, not us. We must become less so he become more, not the other way around. That's why pride is nowhere in God. We should not have pride. We should humble ourselves and say, this is your definition, God. I'm going to go with it because you're right and I'm wrong. You're holy and I'm wretched. You are awesome and I'm desperate. You are complete and I am broken. And then the groom... invites us in. I can't wait to sit at that banqueting table and eat with my Savior. And so when we look at all those things, all those things, then we can actually go to Song of Songs and say, wow, this is deeper than just a song of weddings. Because now we have the definition of love, which is agape. We have the definition of marriage, that Jesus is first and our spouse is second and ourself is last. Now we know that we choose love in action, that it's a verb, that, it's a, that it comes out in our actions if we love our spouse. And we love our husband, Jesus, and we're going to do it in action. While Jesus is our ultimate example of marriage between Jesus and the church, that's why he, he helped us to understand there's a man and a woman, and we are supposed to be the picture of the church. 
And so when you know all that, <laughs> this gets good. So when you go home and read Song of Songs, it's just not like this surface-level pickup lines. There's something deeper. And Jesus has given us that deepness of Scripture. So let's read this with all those things in mind. Ready? Song of Songs, chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. Think of the church. Think of Jesus as your husband. And these are really cool lines to have at a wedding. You are as beautiful as Tizza. My darling, as lovely as Jerusalem. As majestic as troops with banners. Turn your eyes from me. They overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. I know that sounds weird in our vernacular today. <laughs> your teeth are like flock of sheep coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is missing. Your temples behind your veil are like halves of your veil are like halves of pomegranate. Sixty queens there may be, and eighty concubines and virgins beyond number, but my dove, my perfect one, is unique. The only daughter of her mother. The favorite of the one who bore her. The young women saw her and called her blessed. The queens and concubines praised her. Jesus is our husband, and we are the bride. He says, because Jesus has come, we, are, we can glorify God. We can glorify our husband. We can be the, the sheep that are white because of Jesus' blood. We can have people praise God because we are faithful to our husband. Guys, Song of Songs is, is so awesome. Yeah, it's good at weddings. Yeah, it's good to talk to your spouse about this. Yeah, it's good to memorize this stuff when you're dating. But it actually has Jesus involved in there. It actually has the church involved. And it's an awesome book. So at the conclusion of the matter, you're like, good. Now it's 1201. Ugh. Anyway. Jesus is the loving bridegroom of the church. And we are the church, the bride. Welcome to the wedding. Isn't that awesome? We are part of a wedding that is eternal. We come to Jesus and we say, we have faith in you, and it is like a wedding. It is like a marriage. Our commitment is to life with Jesus, a life with our God and Father, to life with, our, with the Holy Spirit involved, involved with us. It is chayim, to life, to love, to God. And we need to be that radiant bride. And the only way to do that is we have Jesus. Jesus is awesome. And sacrificed himself so we may be the, the bride and be with him forever. If you don't have that, put faith in that today. If you don't have that, come to Jesus. If you don't have that, you need it or you're not going to be invited to the, the wedding. You're not going to make it to the party. You need Jesus as your husband. And you are the bride. Let's pray.